Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, and welcome to the Business with Beers podcast. This episode is part of a weekly series called Franchise Fridays, in which every Friday we have an episode dedicated to helping you create freedom by owning a franchise. You know, my family has been in the franchise business for over 45 years. My brother and I took over our family's franchise auto repair business and grew it from six locations to 30, now doing around $36 million a year. One of the best ways that you can accelerate your growth as a franchisee is to surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs who are just a couple steps ahead of you. And for those with W-2 jobs who are looking to buy a franchise, you need a confidential community to ask questions and get support. I've just launched a free private community for people wanting to learn more about buying and operating franchises. Go to brianbeers.com slash community to learn more and join. Today, I'm going to talk about the franchise disclosure document. This episode is kind of the intro to the FDD, as, as it's called. And as a disclosure, to start, I'm not an attorney, so none of what I say is legal advice. My only advice is that I highly recommend having a franchise-specific attorney review the FDD with you prior to signing. They will give you an overview of the entire document. They will redline things, uh, give a summary of all the important items, and help you negotiate where you can. You know, I can provide a recommendation for an attorney for anyone who's interested. Shoot me a message on Twitter or LinkedIn if you're looking for that recommendation. So what is the FDD? It is a 250 to 500 page document that tells you everything you need to know about buying into a franchise system. Now, every FDD must follow the same format. There are 23 specific chapters and they call them items. And every single FDD must follow the same exact 23 items. Uh, this actually makes it really easy for you to read because if every franchise had a different format, you know they could hide fees and penalties and all this stuff in all these different ways. And so by forcing them into you know this template, it makes it very easy to kind of browse through the document, start with the most important things, and you can kind of go back and read some of the other sections. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. There's 23 items. I'm not going to list every single chapter, but uh, kind of a broad overview here to start. And then I'm really kind of going to dive into the couple items that I really want to talk about that I think kind of have the most meat on the bone here. So there's there's 23 items you know, in which they talk about the history of the franchise or many parent companies, any affiliate companies that are all interrelated. They're going to talk about the leadership of the team and a new emerging brand. You know, it might not have a track, a track record yet. But what if the founders of the companies came from another franchise concept that they started and grew to a couple hundred units and sold it to private equity? And now this is their next thing, right? It's really good to know the history of the leadership team. Uh, they're talking about litigation, pending, active, closed. Uh, I'm going to talk about this one more in depth. Are there any bankruptcy issues? 
Very important. They're going to talk about all the fees. So what are the initial startup fees? What are the royalties? What's your estimated initial investment range? That Like, what's the whole thing going to cost you? You know, it's going to talk about restrictions on what products and services you're allowed to sell or not sell. Kind of what your obligations as a franchisee are. It's going to talk about what the franchisor's obligations are and what they're going to provide you in return for royalties. They're going to talk about, you know, the territory. So... What kind of protection do you get, if any? It's going to talk about trademarks and patents and copyrights and all this intellectual property. It's going to talk about the your obligation as the franchisee to participate in the actual like operation of the business. This section is very important for anybody who's buying into a franchise as a passive investment. Uh, if it says, hey, you have to be involved, you have to go to training, you must spend 40 hours a week. Uh, you know, not really going to be a good passive investment compared to another one that is, you know, open to hiring the GM and only dedicating, you know, a small amount of time to it. It is going to talk about renewals and terminations. And if you want to transfer or if you have a dispute resolution, all that's very important section that really, this is where that attorney comes into. It's, it's that termination section that matters the most in terms of, you know, things not making any money and you want out. Um, do you have to pay any fees? Are you going to owe them any post-termination fees? You know, uh, attorney is going to be critical there. So talk about, do they have any public figure relations? Um, and then they're going to talk into the financial performance and how are they, you know, what are their sales per unit? What's their profit per unit? They're going to talk about, are they growing, uh, outlets or, you know, are they shrinking? and contact information. They're also going to give you financial statements of the franchisor. So like the cash flow, the balance sheet, the income statement of the franchisor. It's pretty pretty good to look at. Maybe not initially, but you know, as part of your due diligence, you want to know if they're financially strong and can they you know, sustain the growth. And then finally, the last two are about just contracts and receipts and some other legal mumbo jumbo. But of the 23 items, I really want to focus in on a couple of them. Item three is litigation. So in this chapter, they're going to talk about all the pending, active, and you know, closed litigation related to the brand. Now, some franchises are part of big holding companies. There's a company called Neighborly that has like 20 different brands under them. They have Molly Maid and they have a Mosquito Joe and they've got Mr. Electric and Mr. Handyman and all these all these different home service companies. And so because they're part of the parent company, you know, Mr. Electric or whatever you know, could have litigation listed in there related to a sister neighborly company that's totally unrelated to the thing you're buying into. So the first thing I would do is, you know, if it's unrelated, you know, it doesn't doesn't really bother me. Uh, there's other litigation that I think are good to see, right? You have a franchisee who has broken a non-compete and, you know, they are kind of stealing from the franchise business. They shut them down. I, I mean, as a franchisee, I want to see that. I want to see the brand protected. There's other ones where you know a franchisee has committed a crime. Maybe they murdered somebody or they committed a massive fraud or whatever in the franchise uh, or is suing them in order to take the franchise back and to protect the reputation. But unfortunately, there are some franchisors that run a turn and burn franchise model. You know, uh, there's one in specifically that's a, ta- a low cost tax preparation franchise that has a model in which it's very low cost to get into it. In fact, the franchisor will a lot of times finance the purchase for the franchisee. So the franchisee is out of pocket only a couple thousand dollars, but they're taking on a ton of debt to start it up. You know, a lot of these people may not be as qualified as, you know, they should and the business fails and they close up. And now the franchisor then sues them 
to collect the money they quote loan them. So this franchisor has listed nine pending lawsuits suing franchisees and 70, 70 listed uh, in, re- in regards to litigation to collect royalty payments, past due debts, post-termination fees, and others. So, you know, to me, you know, when I join a, a franchise, it's a partnership. I'm looking for somebody who's going to partner with me. I'm going to help them grow. They're going to help me grow. You know, a sign like this is a huge red flag if there's a lot of litigation that, you know, their business model appears to be taking money from franchisees in, in what could be a predatory way. So anyway, that's what I would be concerned about. Item six, it talks about other fees. It's a, it's a nondescript title that's going to talk to you about what the royalty is. It is a percentage of sales. Is it a flat fixed rate? Does it, you know, start at a lower number and then it grows with, you know, over time or others have a, have a number and it reduces with volume. So all that is disclosed in here. It's got about advertising different levels. It might say you have a national marketing fund of 2% or you're going to have to spend a local fund of a minimum $3,000 a month, you know, whatever it is. So all that like required monthly fees are all going to be listed in here. Any software fees where you have to pay to the franchisor to use their software. And then it's also going to talk about late fees, audit fees, transfer fees, renewals, like all this other, you know, unrelated things um, that aren't, you know, they're important, but not to the daily operation. And they also give you detailed notes on every fee. You know, obviously the most important are the royalty and advertising, you know, but you also want to pay attention if there's any other fees. For example, in Midas, we have a national account fee in addition to the royalty. And so, you know, this national account fee goes to a third party fleet management companies and it's 10%. And so we pay 10% royalty plus we're paying another 10% on this job. You know, a lot of times our margins are 10%, which is kind of like we're not really making any money then, right? So you've got to do a lot of volume to make it up. Now, the question I would have if I'm looking into this thing is saying, all right, well, I got to pay another 10%. So basically 20% on this national account sales. How much of the business is national accounts? If it's 5%, it's not a huge deal. If it's 50%, 75%, what if it was 90% of your business was national accounts? What you thought you were going to pay 10% in your pro forma is now 20%. Like That's going to have a major impact on your bottom line. So just be aware of those extra additional fees if it's related in many cases to national accounts and in many of the FDDs I've reviewed. And you really just want to understand what percentage of business kind of falls into that national account bucket and in talking to other franchisees, you'll you'll help figure that out too. Uh, item seven, pay attention to. So we're we're looking at item three, litigation. Item six, other fees. Item seven, initial investment. This one talks about everything you will spend to start the business. It's a it's a range. So it'll say you know seventy five thousand to one hundred fifty, or you know one hundred thousand to two hundred, or four hundred to six hundred, or whatever it is. It's a bracketed range that includes the franchise fees you're going to pay, any leasehold improvements. So you're going to have to build out, um, you know, the fitness studio or the, you know, fast food place or whatever. It's going to talk about furniture, fixtures, equipment, signage, inventory, any grand opening marketing that you are required or recommended to spend, professional fees, lease deposits, and usually they estimate about three months of working capital. And they're also going to talk about who but gets paid. You know, each one of those items is it the franchisor, is it the landlord, is it a third party supplier? You know, is it just cash on hand for that working capital? So this is really why I pay attention to when it comes to what your budget is. You know, if you're buying the franchise for cash or maybe you're getting loan and maybe it's, you know, your budget's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, my recommendation is you really want 
that 250 to kind of be on the upper side of the scale. Because if you, if you got 250 and you're looking at a franchise that maybe is 250 to, to 400, you know, and you're on the lower side and you're a little undercapitalized or things take longer or they cost more, you know, then you, you, you get to really stretch yourself thin. So, uh, when looking at those ranges, you know, you really want to be comfortable in the middle or towards the upper side with your budgets. You know, don't, don't push it. Otherwise, you know, you're going to put a lot more stress on you financially and it's, it's, probably not worth it because there's a lot of great options out there. So item seven, critical when determining what your budget is. Item 12 is territory. So this is this is interesting, especially for territory-based businesses, you know, senior care, we've got, you know, painting companies, we've got, you know, cleaning companies, etc. Many of them will split it either by population to say, hey, we'll do 200 to 300,000 people. You know, usually they, they, they cut it by zip codes. There's other ones that do it by whole counties. You know, they'll sell a minimum of a county. Uh, other ones will detail out a niche, a niche. So for example, if it's a, um, a senior helping, you know, uh, home healthcare company, they're going to say 200 to 300 population with a minimum of 35,000 seniors who are 65 or older. And so if, you know, you live in a an area that has a lot of old people. You know, you might only have two hundred thousand, but you hit your thirty five uh, seniors who are really your customers. Maybe you're in a, a younger area. It might take you three hundred or three fifty pop to get to that thirty five thousand seniors. So it'll detail out if that matters or not. Some of them will talk about how is it protected. So, for example, there's a painting franchise that you have a protected territory that's made up of, of zip codes, but it's only protected for residential work. And they say that commercial work is not protected. So as a franchisee, you can go anywhere in the country for commercial work. So you get a, a customer like me in Midas, and I've got 30 locations across three different states or whatever it is. You know, Even if you're my home base, you can service all my stores. Even though my other locations are not in your territory, doesn't matter for commercial work. That was a good thing if you're the franchisee and you're you're getting this work. Might not be a great thing if you know you're buying this new territory and then all these great commercial accounts are already be serviced by people who are outside your territory, right? So just something to to be aware of and interested in. Um, it's also going to talk about your ability to relocate. Um, if you're looking at a retail location, for like Midas, for example. I believe we have almost zero official protected territory, maybe a half a mile radius or, or something like that. So um, anyway, good to good to know what protection you have uh, officially. Item 19. So this is what everybody wants to know. How much money can I make? How, you know, what does it look like? Item 19 is where franchisors will tell you as much or as little as they want. Some literally tell you nothing. Actually, some say that we give zero financial representation of the performance of the franchise. And if any corporate employees tell you anything, please report them to our in-house legal counsel. And then they give you their name and phone number. So they're very serious about it. Others provide you sales in different formats. They'll be like sales by quartile. Uh, they'll say sales by you know number of years operated. So in year one, they average this, two, et cetera, three, four, five. Others will give you sales by the number of territories they own or number of units they own. And some give a combination of both. Some give you further information such as gross profit. So they'll, you know, whatever the gross profit is, which is sales minus the direct cost of goods or labor. Uh, some include royalties in that number. Others and very few give you full P&Ls. So they'll show you, you know, on average what the sales were, what the what all the costs were, and what the net margin, what the net profit was to the franchisee. 
Those are my favorite. Uh, they're very rare though. And so the question comes, is no information or is limited information bad? Is it a bad sign? Is it a red flag? Well, no, it's not. But it definitely makes it more difficult to determine if it's worth pursuing. You know, you have no idea. Does this thing do $500,000 a year and not making any money? Or are they doing a million dollars a year and doing all right? Most new franchises will provide full P&Ls. They kind of have to because they, they really don't have the reputation. They're pretty new. Maybe they have one or two kind of corporate locations, maybe, maybe a franchisor or two, franchisee or two. Uh, and so they will usually provide a full P&L. And many times that P&L is going to be awesome. It's going to be high sales, very profitable. Uh, you just need to take it with a grain of salt. It's one location. Of course, it's very profitable. If it wasn't, you know, it'd be impossible to sell franchises. So I, I would, it, they're showing proof of concept. Hey, that this business model is viable. There is a need. You know, we know how to operate it. All that's really good. Just be careful that, you know, with your expectations, that's all. Item 20 talks about outlets and franchisee information. So this is a great section. Shows you the franchisee's growth over the last few years. It'll show you how many locations were open, how many got transferred between franchisees, how many were closed. With a new brand, you may not see much activity, but with other brands, they'll show great growth, adding, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, hundreds a year. And there's others that are declining. So is declining a bad sign? Well, as most of you know, you know, we've had a lot of success in Midas. And their uh, item 20 is not impressive. With 1,000 units, they like gained 6 in 2019, lost 15 in 2020, and lost 17 in 2021. So net down you know, 25 units over the last you know, three years. But it's a stable brand. There's over, over 20 new locations opening per year. And so... Uh, that's okay, in my opinion. You know, for a legacy brand with a lot of units, it's not really growing. Uh, not not terrible. But for a new concept that is on an upward growth, I really want to see. I really want to see, really see a lot of units being opened. Uh, item twenty also has contact information for every franchisee in the system. This is gold when it comes to you. The validation step where you have the ability to call every franchisee and ask them about their experience in the brand, things they wish they knew, their financial performance, etc. And now just because you can call every franchisee doesn't mean you should actually do it and that they will all talk to you. I'd say, you know, you call five to 10, you know, random people and you should have enough information by them to confirm everything you've learned up to this point. So that's all I got for this episode on the intro to the FDD. In the further episodes, I will go into some more detail covering a couple more of the sections, but these are really the most important ones and things to really pay attention to when you start uh, reading them. And I recently started a franchise consulting business. I work one-on-one with a limited number of clients per month, helping them find the right franchise. So if you are serious about taking that next step and you're interested in working with me, you can shoot me a message on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or you can email me, Brian, at Beers Podcast, and I look forward to hearing from you. Cheers. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 